Chipping away at the block Cause I know that life ain't love And when I go to sleep I dream the best parts of me will come alive But when I see that morning light I know Chris by my side Chipping away, chipping away with me Hello, everybody, and happy Motivational Monday. I'm really excited to kind of reconnect with this next guest. Uh, we knew each other growing up, and she's become a superstar, so I'm really excited to say I knew her way back when. Um, today, we have Carson Kessler. She is a journalist. She just got her master's because she's a powerhouse, and she's a reporting fellow at the city in New York City, uh, and I'm, she's just a friend that I grew up with, so I'm really excited to kind of reconnect with you as our audience learns more about you and I get to learn more about where you're at now in life. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's really a pleasure to be here. And I was so happy when you emailed me and so excited to talk to you. I was so awkward too. I was like, I don't know if you remember me because I was like, it's been like six or seven years since I was back home, but now we're both in New York City. And even then the city is small, but large. So we're like crossing paths more often than not, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. And no, when you emailed me, I was like, duh, of course I remember you. Like, who does she think that I am? Yeah, of course it's like, oh, yes, that small plebeian back when I was younger. <laughs> well, just to get the ball rolling, I am really interested because I know journalism means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, journalism can take you on a bunch of different paths. Like, I've seen the morning show. I would love to be a journalist as a news anchor. Um, that's probably not my path, but you know, Jennifer Aniston makes me want to do it. Um, <laughs> but journalism is just like a different thing. And there's so many avenues that you can go through with it. So why journalism and like, what does journalism mean for you and your path? Yeah. So growing up, um, we both grew up in San Antonio and I grew up in kind of a family of doctors, was always surrounded by doctors. And for a long time, I thought, hey, you know what, that's what I'm going to do. It was kind of like an unspoken pact between everyone in my family. And then <laughs> kind of um, junior year of high school, I was like, hey, like, I had always enjoyed writing. And then I realized, hey, maybe I could actually do this. I thought, um, yeah, I could really do this. And I kind of told my parents this is what I want to do and they weren't quite sure about it at first but um that's the journey I went on from that point on and I remember my first night at NYU in the dorms uh my parents had just dropped me off they were staying for a few days just to make sure like I got settled and everything and I remember I had the biggest panic attack of my life like, I was like, what did I think? Like, why did I think I could come to New York? I'm just a small little Texas girl. Like, I could not do this. And, you know, my stepdad, who's been such a big influence in my life and really has pushed me to towards everything that I've done, he really, he walked me back to the dorm and said, hey, you know what, you're going to do this. And you're strong enough to do this. And if anyone can do it, it's you. And from that point on, I was never homesick after that. And this, the city just, as people say, like it, it just becomes a part of you and you, you just grow from it and grow with it. And that's kind of how journalism 
came to me and I really enjoyed being able to tell people's stories. Um, maybe people who haven't always had the option or the space to share their stories. And I've always thought that I'm extremely blessed to be able to do that for people and to be able to learn so much about people. And I kind of see journalism as a way to be everything all at once. And I've always been someone who's very fascinated at all different aspects of life, different industries. And so whenever I'm covering a story, you know, for a month, I can be a mortician. I followed a crime scene cleaner around. I learned all <laughs> about that. Like, I can be that for a month. Then I can learn about politics for a month. And it's really like giving me all the interests that I love and being able to verbalize that and tell people's stories in a way that people enjoy reading. Yeah, that's it's almost exactly kind of why I fell in love with acting. I love the fact that even though it's not my words, they're the words of someone that may not have had their story told. And we as actors are a vessel for the people who don't have voices um, to like mm -hmm. broadcast these stories to so many and to give people those voices and to make sure that they feel seen and heard. So I definitely connect with you. And also when I first moved to New York City, I had constant panic attacks and mm -hmm. then eventually of just like fall into the city and I came back to New York or to Texas after like a year in New York it was like the summer between my freshman and my sophomore year never came back home again after that mm -hmm. I was like I cannot be in Texas again but I was it's so quiet here in Texas that I put city soundscape sounds on YouTube to oh, play so that I could go to sleep because I live right off the Brooklyn Bridge so I'm used to cars and everything and right. I was like it is dead ass quiet here and I cannot sleep so you, you become a New Yorker overnight without even really realizing it in like the weirdest ways so I definitely understand that anxiety. right and when I when I saw your the title of your podcast and listened to why you created it, the chipping away metaphor I totally related with that because when I was having this panic attack and kind of overwhelmed with everything my mom would constantly say like you know you got to take one bite of the apple at a time one bite of the apple. You can't eat the whole apple all at once. So that really yep. has motivated me. And I was just pleasantly surprised to see that chipping away means the same thing to you. Yeah. I mean, everyone has their own metaphor. The amount of people that have reached out after season one who are like, this is what my parents told me. Everyone has <laughs> the most like amazing, oh my God, that metaphor makes sense. Like I definitely see how you just take it one day at a time type thing. So yeah, chipping away, I'm, I that's where that is for me. And that's what you have to do in the city or with your career or just oh, kind yeah. of in life every single day. Um, yeah, it really helps. So what happened between your panic attack, like starting your journey at NYU to which you got a double major in English and journalism and then a minor in social and public policy, which Sounds a lot more than just taking a bite out of an apple, if I do say so myself. And then you went on to get your master's at Columbia, which, ladies and gentlemen, I've discovered it takes 10 months to get a journalism master's at Columbia. So you will see me in 10 months with a journalism master from Columbia if I can get in. <laughs> yeah, so NYU was a, a great experience for me. It was very much I felt like I was just in the city. I didn't get that that big campus feel, which in some ways I'm sad I didn't, but at the same time I I love to be going twenty four seven and doing things and being somewhere in the center of it all. And for, for me, NYU was that and um why I decided to double major um English as well, which reading and writing has always been a huge passion of mine as well. So getting to do that was great. And at NYU I had the 
greatest opportunities since you really are in New York and during this during the semesters you can intern at some great places um, and so I really enjoyed being able to kind of bounce between different areas that maybe I wasn't sure what I wanted to cover yet um, maybe I'm still not sure what I want to cover but um, it was a great way to like learn <laughs> what I do like and what I don't like and uh, my last internship was at Fortune Magazine, which was a great experience, great culture there, loved the people there. And um, I stayed there for about a year and I was kind of deciding, you know, as my time at NYU finishes up, am I going to look for jobs? Am I going to go to grad school? Grad school wasn't always something I wanted to do, but my mom had always wanted me to do it, um, probably to fulfill her own dream <laughs> of going to grad school. So through me. Yeah, I think we all have. So and I'm really glad yet. she did push me to do that because <laughs> I ended up only applying to Columbia. I said, if if this is meant to be, then, you know, this is where I'm going to be. This is where I'm going to do it. And luckily enough, um, they, why Columbia? their journalism program is renowned, obviously. And the alumni, just the thought of being able to be taught by New York Times professors who have won Pulitzers and be in the same room of, as them and have my mm -hmm. work critiqued by them was just a huge opportunity. And I was like, and I didn't want to leave New York. So there's only few options. And <laughs> yeah. yeah so a I couple was like, you know what? From. Um, Columbia, if it's meant to be, it'll be. And I got in and it was the greatest experience. It got a little interesting towards the end with, with the pandemic and everything, but the first half went by super seamlessly. Yeah. Um, and then everyone kind of got into the swim swing of things of how we were going to report virtually. And yeah, we graduated on Zoom. And then when I clicked off, logged off of Zoom, you know, I had a master's all of a sudden. And yeah, here we are. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. A little anticlimactic, I guess, but I mean, it's still ridiculously impressive. I'm and so impressed by you. I told my mom I was getting ready to do our episode and she was like, oh my gosh, what is Carson doing now? And I was like, well, she just got her master's from Columbia. And my mom was like, <laughs> Chrissy, what are you doing with your life? And I was like, thank you, mother. I'm going to go record my podcast now. <laughs> Being right, home has been very interesting. Um, but you mentioned now everything is online um, and mm -hmm. COVID is changing a lot of different jobs. I am very thankful that the acting industry was kind of already veering towards like self tapes. And I was already doing both coasts, which is really, really nice. But I know a lot of my friends who are lawyers, who are journalists, like, like yourself, they were kind of like, mm -hmm. we don't know what to do now because everything is up in arms. So how is that? affected your entire yeah, I system mean, of things. Luckily for our generation, we're, we've already become so accustomed to technology and using it to our advantage. So I feel really blessed that we have these technologies because I have no idea how anyone would do anything if we didn't have technology right now. We would all just be, I don't know what we would be doing. But yeah, I've already done eight puzzles. I can't do any yeah, no more puzzles. <laughs> and so, and so I kind of, I guess, yeah, what I love about journalism is that in-person reporting, um, just being able to follow someone around and see all the different things and be able to add that color to your pieces just from tiny details like what's on someone's shelf. Um, and kind of having that taken away was unfortunate, but at the same time, there's so much you can do with Zoom and phone calls and reaching out to people 
yeah, maybe you're not on the street, like doing man on the street interviews, but you can reach out to people on social media, which is people are super fast to respond to way faster Mm -hmm. than emails, it seems like. So now I'm like, (laughs) okay, social media and (laughs) new one. Yeah, no, that's been super great. And it's been interesting and rewarding to try to navigate this new, new journalism field. Um, I have been out a few times um, for the city um, doing on the ground reporting because as the city begins to open up it I felt really blessed that I decided to stay in New York during this time just because maybe if I was in any other industry I would probably have gone back to Texas but I saw this as kind of the biggest my the biggest story of my lifetime perhaps Um, and as a journalist I was like I have to be here like in the center of it all Um, my mom wished I was home of course and she was like all your <laughs> friends and their moms they're all getting to spend time with their daughters I'm like well mom your daughter is a journalist out on the field <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so. show them my photo they'll be very exactly. jealous that they are yes not in New York right now and I felt kind of just the same thing going back to a family of doctors I've held a lot of those same values close to me as a journalist I see it sort of a surgery in a way because you're deconstructing things and putting things back together and I kind of felt a duty to New York and the city that I've called home for so long um, to stay here and cover the stories that needed covering because if no one's here to cover it then how will we know what's going on <laughs> so yeah but there's a point to that though of like not knowing what's going on and I know a lot of our generation and older generations have a lot of different opinions on what media is and on what reporting is and what journalism is. And so how has that kind of been for you to have those kind of discussions, but also like such a distrust of Mm -hmm. media? And like you're saying, you want to be honest and you want to put these stories forth, but people are like, well, that's the liberal media. Mm -hmm. And then other people are like, well, that's the Republican media. And everyone's using media to get their own stories across and it's very one-sided so how do you handle that not only distrust but staying honest and true to the stories that you're reporting on yeah um it's especially hard when you feel super passionate about something and I do think there there are certain times um when we see injustices going on that we do have to speak out even if you are a journalist um obviously you you make it known that you're not being completely unbiased. You have something at stake here. But I think that's how journalism has changed in a lot of ways and how the older generations, yeah, I've gotten messages from my my grandparents or people that are like, I hope like they're glad I'm a journalist and they're like, you're here to save the industry. Um, oh God. <laughs> and um, it's it's been interesting to kind of navigate your personal beliefs and telling something completely straight and letting readers have their own opinions and I've always been under the impression that it's very important to get all the facts across and let the readers form their own opinions because that's that's the world we live in everyone should be able to have their own opinion um but at the same time if I do find something that I find difficult to stay silent about I'll make that known and um People will just have to read it. And, you know, if they don't like it, then they can read something else. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. It's different for your industry versus my industry. Everyone has an opinion. It's a very, really crass um, 
thing that my mom used to say, opinions are like assholes, everyone's <laughs> got one. That was what I was raised on. And so that's kind of what's in my head when I go into an audition room or like when my, mm -hmm. my one of my first TV shows came out and I'm sitting there critiquing every single scene that I'm in and how I did things and so on and so forth. But then I got such positive responses from some people mm -hmm. and the people that were in my industry were like, okay, well maybe they have, like we tried this or maybe we tried that. So like I said, everyone has an opinion. So how do you keep to the facts and the heart of the story that you're trying to tell without allowing all those other opinions to weigh on you or sway you? I mean, you know, you just kind of have to say, like you said, everyone has an opinion and that's fine. Everyone can have their opinion. I'm not saying they can't. Everyone likes what they like and doesn't like what they don't like. And that's perfectly fine. And I think that's the beauty of having so many different storytellers out there across different industries that we we are able to to read things. But I think one thing that's very important, and I think a lot of times people get so obsessed with only reading or watching the things that they believe and they like, then we kind of become blind to the whole other side of it. Um, and I think things like that kind of we saw unfold in the 2016 election. We everyone, especially the New York Times, was so confident that Hillary was going to win, and then people were kind of blindsided. Like, hey, there's this whole other half of the country that is completely different than us, and I do think. I think Twitter is another thing. I, I go through my Twitter and I see, oh, all these people, all these journalists, they think the same things as me, which means that, hey, this is this must be going on in the world then. But I think it's very important to also see the other side and maybe follow people you don't necessarily, your beliefs don't align with, but it is important to see what else is going on out there and how we can have those conversations and make each other's voices heard across party lines, across different beliefs. I think that's something that's really important. And I hope that the industry does more of that. That is super interesting. And I mean, like you said, we're both from Texas. And so I know definitely, right. I mean, with COVID and everything, I had to come home. And so I really got to learn about how um, dependent on like where you're located, um, you get mm -hmm. very specific kind of news. I watched the, I think it's called like the social dilemma or whatnot. It's that <laughs> Netflix documentary and dependent, like my Google searches are very, very different than my brother's. What oh, yeah. regulates for me um, based on the kind of content that I post, the kind of content that I follow, the kind of amount of time uh, I stay on a video or like, or what have you. And so the kind of media and news that is being fed to me is very different than the kind of media and news that is being fed to my brother or my dad mm -hmm. or my mom or what have you, because we're all in different parts of the country and we all have very, very different belief systems. It um, makes for very interesting Thanksgiving conversations. Yeah, so I'm sure your Thanksgiving table is very fun. <laughs> I definitely notice a huge shift in the media of what I'm being told versus what they're being told. Um, and I find that kind of scary, but also super interesting of uh, the type of news that you're being targeted for uh, has a lot of different factors in it. And it's not always unbiased. And I think a lot of that also lends itself towards cancel culture. Um, that's a huge thing right now with YouTubers and TikTokers and I mean, news sources in general, uh, especially with the election and whatnot, people were canceling things left and right. Um, 
on both sides. And I think cancel culture is a huge thing that we have to be wary of in media, content creators, and also the news. Uh, And how are you Mm. feeling about that? Yeah, I (laughs) definitely a lot, a lot to think about because I mean, it's happening right now very strongly in the journalism industry with that Harper's letter and departures from the New York Times. Um, Cancel culture, it's 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 very interesting, and I'm not sure completely how how I feel about it because I think there are times when some acts are just so unforgivable that a canceling is necessary, I suppose. But <laughs> on other times, I mean, I would hope that we live in some sort of society where we learn from our wrongs. Um, not everyone is like that, unfortunately, but um, I hope we can learn to navigate that and I'm interested to see how it all all happens and especially as I enter this workforce all I can do is do my work to the best of my ability and tell the stories of people to the best of my ability and you know what I'm I will always stand for what's right and what I believe and you know Hopefully that'll get me somewhere good. Yeah, I know in my industry with the state of the world and we don't really know when it's going to open up again, um, jobs are super uncertain. Like we don't really know what's going to happen with our um, options and what's available for us as artists, not just (laughs) actors, but artists in general. And Mm -hmm. I feel that that might be lending itself towards your industry as well. Is that something that you feel is happening with the changes in the world and people like yourself graduating from grad school or even undergrad who are trying to get into this industry. How are you guys feeling with the job availability right now? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. You know, I, I had this idea that I would graduate from Columbia and I would, you know, have a job, but I really didn't anticipate I was going to graduate into a pandemic. And I think the exciting thing is that from this point on, employers, um, everyone will see that 2020 graduation date on the resume and they'll be like, oh, that poor soul. <laughs> right, but it it really forced me to become so proactive and look for those opportunities in unexpected ways. And I was lucky enough that Columbia had Um, various opportunities for us to kind of help us through this time since it was unknown. Um, So I got this 10-week fellowship with the city, um, which I've loved being local reporting is something that's so underfunded. And it's it's just a, a great way to meet people in your community and tell stories that aren't being told by mainstream media. So that's been really great. And I've also been, um, I also was upon graduation, I was granted a Pulitzer fellowship. Um, so I was given some funds to go travel to any place in the world and cover any story. I so feel inclined. Obviously I can't do that right now. Um, yeah, exactly. My 200 square foot apartment. Um, yeah, exactly. But that's kind of given me time to think about um, what I do want to cover and what needs to be covered and what's not being covered right now. Um, so hopefully I'll think of an idea soon and I'll hit the ground running on that. 
Well, I'm super glad you got a Pulitzer Award so that you can uh, travel to your apartment in New York City. (laughs) (laughs) So as you mentioned earlier, um, there's the difference between like mass media and then also the nonprofit, smaller um, news outlets and what you're working for right now. And kind of like looking at your resume and everything that you've done and written for and worked for, you've kind of had the best of both worlds of experiences because you've written for Vice, you've written for Food and Wine Magazine and Fortune that you mentioned earlier, and Marie Claire and like the list literally goes on and on and on. So you have written for these mass media outlets that bunches of people have heard of, but then decided to take a job for the city, which is known and tailored as an independent nonprofit newsroom dedicated to hard hitting news. And so what was that kind of choice for you? And I don't want to embarrass myself with like jargon of journalism, but like choosing between hard hitting news, which is what the city is and what you are doing now versus what would be considered fluff pieces, I guess. Yeah, uh, it's it's very interesting and both have their their pros and cons. Um, working at somewhere like, I would call it like a legacy publication that's been around yeah. for a long time, um, has a very strong readership. Um, those places, yeah, they, they have their pros. I mean, everyone, when you're, reaching out to sources, they know immediately what it is. And so you sometimes find that people are a little quicker to respond to you or, <laughs> um, <laughs> or they, they're trustworthy sources. So yeah, they're like, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, versus local news, which I also interned at a small local news outlet called Strauss news, which did um, newspapers around upper East side, upper West side, Chelsea, very hyper-local neighborhood news. And so someplace like the city, not only is it delivering just news about what's going on, it's not really delivering that um, because they realize, hey, you know, you can get this news anywhere. Everyone's going to cover it. Um, Mm -hmm. But what places are failing to cover and where they're kind of hoping to bridge that gap is um, investigative pieces about the about the New York City area, what's happening behind the scenes of certain events that maybe is not getting enough scrutiny. So especially now in coronavirus and with the Black Lives Matter movement, we've seen a lot of places that need to kind of be investigated more. And I know one area that I'm very passionate about is mental health. And I think we have a big mental health crisis, not only in New York, but worldwide. And I kind of thought, hey, I wonder during a time like this with coronavirus and um, the death of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and many others, kind of what is who and what is being overlooked? And I thought I was really interested in hearing from um, Black psychologists and psychiatrists what they're seeing in their patients, because I'm sure they're seeing a bunch of different things. And and talking to many of them, um, across the boroughs, I found that, yes, they are seeing a huge uptick in um, clients and people wanting help and people of color wanting to kind of make sense of this all. And there's already a lot of barriers when it comes to getting mental health care, health care in general, yeah. but specifically mental health care, especially when it comes to people of color looking for another person of color to talk to them and be their therapist, be their psychiatrist. 
And so there's a bit, big shortage of them. Um, yeah. So look, kind of looking at that and how maybe that's something as a city um, specifically we need to look at and think, hey, how can we not only make it easier for people to access these resources, but make it so they feel comfortable talking to certain people. Um, you know, if I, yeah, it's great if someone is there and is trained, but if they don't understand your culture and they're not culturally competent, it's it's different talking to someone um, about something they have no experience in. And that's something as a white woman journalist that I had to really think about when I was performing these interviews because no, I don't have the black experience. I never will. Um, but I think at the same time, if we listen our ears and give way for these voices, then we can all kind of learn something and learn about these different experiences and maybe understand more how we can help and what, what are the best ways to help. And is there any backlash when you're going through these stories? And the beautiful thing that I love so much about New York and why I genuinely can't even imagine living anywhere else is the fact that I can walk down my street and take maybe 10 extra minutes to walk to work so that I can go a couple blocks over that I've never walked down before and see a different culture, a different food. There's always some festival going on for like mm -hmm. some reason in New York City and you never really know what it is, but you learn about mm -hmm. a different kind of person, a different kind of celebration, literally every single day. It could be a Wednesday and you're just like, oh, I'm learning about this entire different culture like 10 minutes before I have my shift. Like it's a beautiful thing about the city, but both of us being white women from Texas, it is a learning experience every single day. And it's a huge, you have to take a step back. You just have to sit there and listen because that's all you can do. You don't understand at all. Mm -hmm. But as a journalist giving a voice to these stories, a voice to these experiences and these people, is there any pushback or is there any kind of, I don't want to say animosity, but a little bit of skepticism because you are a white woman trying to tell the stories of someone who is underprivileged? Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that's something that journalism is just now kind of coming to terms with and thinking who has the right to tell whose story and mm -hmm. kind of how we do do that. I think the best thing we can do is just what you said is listen and hear the concerns of people who are different than you and hear kind of where they're coming from and try to talk about it to so you guys can get on the same level and understand. And I am very aware of my identity um, and whose stories I will never be able to, co to cover. I, you know, I, I think the great thing about journalism is that you are able to go into worlds that you've never experienced before. Um, and this is something that I've, I've really enjoyed learning things that I had never known before. But at the same time, you do need to make way and make space for voices that aren't being given the same time of day as your own. And yeah. I have become very aware of that and kind of maybe not taking on a certain subject or a certain topic because I won't cover it as gracefully or as knowledgeable as someone who might personally have that experience. Yeah, 100%. They're doing that with the acting industry, thank God, mm -hmm. where um, we had like a full white Oscars a couple of years ago. Oh. And it's we have, <laughs> we still have so much like to go further. So it's going to be many, 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 many years. But to see the fact of like, 
you don't need a white woman or a white man telling this story every single time because this could be another person's experience or it is another person's experience that should not be portrayed by a white human being. Um, but it's, I think it's super interesting that you say you don't want to touch certain subjects. Can you have that power or is it a lot of, because I'm just not familiar with it, of an editor saying, hey, go run with this story and that's what you have to, to speak about and write about whether you have passion for it or not? Or do you have a little bit more leniency with what you are able to report on? Yeah, so it, it really depends on the publication, I would say. And um, somewhere like the city, um, you really do have a lot of leeway and you're able to kind of um, pitch things that interest you and maybe they are in your world or maybe they're not. And um, you really do have leeway to do that. But at the same time, it just comes down to, I mean, you as an individual, you as a human, you as a journalist, you can choose what you cover. Yeah, maybe your editor won't like it if you say, hey, no, I don't feel comfortable covering yeah. that. But you really, it really comes down to your individual decisions and what you do feel comfortable covering. And um, it might bite you in the butt, but I mean, but yeah, the best you can do is to yourself. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And what is that like for you for self-care? Because I know a lot, just like the few stories that you've talked about on this episode, it's a lot. And the mental health, health of other people is so important, mm -hmm. but the mental health of yourself is really important too. And I know that when I go into a role, I give my all to it to the point where my mom will send me a care package when I book something. Cause she's no, she knows I'm going to be oh. sick by the end of like the TV show or the show, because I just like, I don't eat. I don't, it's not healthy. My therapist and I are working on it, but I give everything I can to these roles, mm -hmm. to these voices and to the words. So how do you practice self-care when you're seeing a lot of like the dark side of humanity and reporting on that? Mm -hmm. I'm very much the same way. Like when I start on a story, I become obsessed with it. It yeah. becomes, I eat it. I drink it. I breathe it <laughs> 24 seven. Like I'll wake yep. up in the middle of the night and be like, Oh my God. I have to call this person. Like I, mm -hmm. I have to do this. Like I'll have nightmares about it all. And like kind of my, it's probably unhealthy, but right before I go to sleep, <laughs> that that's when my mind is going the most. And I'm thinking yep. of like thinking of different angles on the story or like what I can do. And that's when, you know, you're excited about a story and it's really significant because you literally can't put it down and I can't put it down. And I, I just want to keep going and going and going. And that is not great for your mental health. And no. I, I have been kind of under becoming to understand and learn the best ways for me to deal with my mental health. I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety when probably I was seven or eight. So it's been a long time coming, but I've been grateful enough that I had a family that understood mental illness and they understood kind of the steps that some people need to take to get that under control. And, you know, it comes with routine for me. Um, routine is my best friend. And when I, that's been, COVID has been a little difficult because it's a, it's not really oh. a routine. Yeah. Because routine all for me is my best friend. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Routine has, has always been good for me. And just kind of one thing that has really helped me is I rescued my dog from the pound and he has really become one of the reasons that I feel like I have to get out of bed you know he's another he's alive I have to walk him I have to 
feed him. I have to do those things. So I'm really grateful for him, my friends, my family, who all are there. Um, maybe someone, a friend without depression doesn't understand it exactly, but they don't have to understand it. As long as they know, hey, she needs me right now, then that's all that matters. And I've been blessed with the greatest people around me who have always been there for me, even if they don't understand it. And sometimes I'm like, hey, I just need you to just sit with me. Like, you don't have to say yeah. anything. Just sit here. <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah, my anxiety went through the roof. Like like what you said about why chipping away came to be was mm-hmm. I, I struggle a lot with anxiety. And I, I know the city doesn't necessarily always help with that. But sometimes mm-hmm. I'm just like, don't touch me, but sit like five feet away in that chair. And just like be here with me while yeah. I breathe because I can't be alone right now. And the my friends I are think like, one okay. of my I think one of my favorite things about the city though is even though that sometimes you can feel like so overwhelmed and there's so many people and no one knows what you're going through and like everyone has their own problem. The most beautiful thing about the city is being able to cry on the subway and no one caring or yes. acknowledging you. I yes. love it. I love or it. like went through a major like just breakdown in the middle of the streets and my friends were like we just need to scream and we just started screaming in the middle yeah. of the streets of New York and no one blinked an eye and I'm like this is this city is everything <laughs> yeah they just you know someone's going about their day you know that's fine <laughs> I, love, I it. love it um but you're at a, a really great age where you're just getting started and you still have like so much ahead of you and i know that you are going to inspire so many young writers as many other writers have inspired you as a writer do you have any kind of advice for people especially with covid and the whole entire industry changing these men and women who also want to give these voices to people and want mm-hmm. to write stories and don't really know how to get started um, because journalism is a huge industry and there's so many different facets. So finding your way in it can be really daunting. Right. Extremely daunting, especially now. And I think anyone who wants to get into journalism at a time like this, they must really want it because, <laughs> and that'll take them far. Um, because right now it's not the easiest time, even though people think that, Hey, the news, the news industry is going great right now because everyone's watching and reading and viewing the news but the harsh reality is no it's even though we're still doing this much needed service 24 7 365 jobs are still being cut and I think the best advice I would give is don't be discouraged you're going to get a lot of rejections and you're going to get a lot of doors slammed in your face and you're kind of just going to have to say well my passion speaks for itself I'm going to keep doing this because it's what I love and what I want to do. And that's kind of what I've always stayed true to. I mean, one of the most basic things as a journalist that you have to do is man on the street interviews, which I despise. I (laughs) especially when you're when you're coming to like a touchy subject and you don't have cameras or anything. So people are not suspecting you. And then you just go up to someone and you're like, hi, can I ask you a question? Um, I get such no. bad anxiety when it comes to that. And I literally just walk around for two hours before I have to ask someone something, even though I could be done in five minutes if I wanted to be. But instead oh I, walk around, I walk around. I walk around. You're psyching like, yourself up to talk to a stranger. And they're probably like, those people are probably like, 
definitely not going to want to talk to me now because that weird <laughs> girl just pacing back and forth. But You're like, I've seen you here for an hour and a half. I'm yeah, not exactly. talking to you much. But <laughs> it's kind of, and people say, journalists say it gets easier with time, but I don't really think it gets easier. You just become <laughs> used to it and you just got to do it. Um, and I guess this is a really positive episode we're creating here, Carson. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it doesn't get easier. She just go oh, roll with it. I mean, you're you're always gonna have one aspect of a job that maybe is not gonna come naturally to you, and to some people, man on the street is their bread and butter, and you know it comes very easy to them. But for me, it doesn't come easy, and it's something that I've had to understand. And there's some days when I just can't, for some reason, ask someone something as simple as, "What do you think about this bus stop?" Um, and I'll call my mom being like, oh my God, I can't be a journalist. Like I can't even do this basic thing. And yeah. it really like, that doesn't mean that you can't be this thing because you have difficulty with one thing. It's, it's about, you know, it doesn't matter if it takes you two or three hours to ask one person, one thing, you know, if you get it, you get it. And you did it. You did it. And, and you deserve a glass of wine afterwards. And you were exactly. a journalist. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's just let your passion carry you through times when you think you can't do something because passion a lot of the time passion and hard work or that's most of the word and if you have those two things then you'll be able to do anything I think you set your mind to I love that and I think that's that's the thing for everybody and it's in every single industry too where I will have an audition where I bomb it and you mm -hmm. can just feel the other people on the side of the table going, <laughs> she has a BFA in this. She did. She studied this. Are you sure? And I call my mom and I'm like, mom, they, they think I'm inept and I don't know what just happened. And I'm not doing this again. She's like, Chrissy, breathe. It's okay. Cause you have another audition tomorrow and mm -hmm. there's nothing you can do. So you just have to kind of brush it off and keep moving. And I think that's a lot. There is a lot to be said for passion. And if that is what you're driven to do, you're going to find a way to in two or three hours, ask a random stranger how they feel about a bus stop. And that is a huge accomplishment. I think. Yeah. It's the, it's the little victories I think, because you feel so good after you ask how the bus stop was. <laughs> Oh, it's literally asking like, everybody and they're like lady please leave yeah, us lady, alone. please calm down <laughs> I love it well where can people find your writing because like I said you're all over the place and now you are a reporting fellow at the city are you still freelancing how does that work with your industry especially now with everything kind of being up in the air changing 24 7 yeah um so yeah as you've seen my work is kind of all over the place so um <laughs> I right now um yeah you can find it at the city.nyc um and also as this kind of chapter in my life comes to a close because it's only a 10-week fellowship um I'll probably be freelancing and looking for job opportunities we'll see how it goes but um regardless um I always put my work on my web personal website which is carsonkessler.com and my work is there I'm kind of bringing it all in from all the different places and having it in one spot um, is always nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. I love it. And you're also on Instagram. Her Instagram is fire. So you can follow her on Instagram too. We'll get you the, fo the follow for follow. I hope you people are following oh, yes. the follow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, like you said at the beginning, you listened to kind of what this whole message is about. And it was a huge um, undertaking for me to 
find my passion again and to believe in what I do every single day, um, especially now in COVID. It is a daily routine, if you will, of me psyching myself up in the mirror to go do the self-tape or to go submit for an audition or to even do a podcast episode because it's a lot to um, chip away every single day. Um, but it's so rewarding at the end of the day for putting yourself out there and putting yourself out there for your passion and what you want to do in life. And so if you could narrow it down to like a word or a phrase or a thing that keeps you chipping away at life and at your career, what would that be? Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> good question. Approved by a journalist. Yeah, I'm that is a really good question. Life. If it makes me think, that's a good question. Um, I think I would boil it down to a phrase that some might think is a little cliche, but for me, it's always health. Um, and that is everything happens for a reason. Um, whatever that reason may be, if you believe in some greater being or you don't or um I think there's always some sort of reason like it will guide your path and I think in journalism specifically I talk to my friends who are other journalists and we talk about how journalism is very a high and low industry like you'll be at the lowest of lows no one will be responding to you everyone will say no in your face um this will all happen. And then all of a sudden you get that one call from someone being like, I heard you're doing this story. And like, I have something to say about it. And that literally just makes all the lows go away. So it's just mm -hmm. kind of holding on to that and remembering that one, that one high, that one person that you're helping at the end of the day, your writing's going to mean something to at least one person, whether it's your mom who reads your work or um, <laughs> someone you never thought that reached out to you. Um, I have one quick story that was yes. ex extremely rewarding for me as a journalist. One of the the stories that I worked on with another amazing um, senior reporter at the city was about prison deaths, and many of which were found to be preventable when we looked at 400 pages of records. And one thing I had mm -hmm. to do was um, go through the different deaths and see if I could talk to any of the family members and kind of how they felt about it and obviously that was something oh that my god like, Carson how am I gonna do this how am I going to say like I don't know and a lot of the a lot of the people who we found that were getting a lot of the mistreatment and kind of lack of services were um mostly child predators and so that was something I kind of had to come to terms with at the end of the day it wasn't my stance on people's crimes and it wasn't about their crimes it was that they were people and they were not getting medical care to the same degree that everyone else should. And so I talked to a twin sister of one of these victims and, you know, it was, it was a difficult conversation and it was difficult to have. And there was a lot of anger she had. And um, a lot of her explaining to me that this wasn't true about her brother. Um, and I kind of just sat there and listened because that, that was all I could do. And she was extremely grateful at that we were covering this and that she was getting to share her brother's story. And we got an email a few, like a few weeks later um, that one of the editors forwarded to me. And it was from the, I think it was the daughter, the daughter of the man who I covered, um, the mom of that daughter, who they were no longer <laughs> together. Um, but she said, thank you so much for writing this story so I can show my daughter who her father was 
um, at the oh end of the gosh. day. Uh, she didn't get a form a relationship with her father because her father was in prison for most of her life. But the the mom was very grateful that she was able to show that her father had some sort of legacy um, at the end of the day. And she'll be able to go back to that and read about her dad. And to have that impact on just one person and to be able to be a part of someone's story and how they're coming to terms with someone in their life that they didn't get the chance to really meet and get to know was so rewarding for me. And it's things like that, just that one email, that one quick reply from someone about something you worked so hard on to tell truly, to tell um, authentically. When you get that one that one morsel of gratitude it it <laughs> literally means everything and it, it keeps me going and means I can reach many more people with my work and that's what I hope to do oh that, that like literally I'm full body chills wow no. I can't even imagine being able to read that that's incredible yeah. wow okay that's an I, I'm I'm just in awe that you got to experience that that's really incredible that you've done that at such like a beginning part of your career. Congratulations. Thank you. And I think that's something that um, younger journalists don't think that maybe they'll have the capability. Yeah, okay, you're not publishing on the New York Times, but, and yeah, you're not going to get that reach of thousands of people, but you will reach that person that it means something to. Um, even if you have a five-person following, it will, like I said, everything happens for a reason. That person yep. is going to find that article and read it and maybe their life will be changed because of something you decided you were passionate about and you wanted to write about it. And it will mean something to someone. Yeah. And that's, I think at the end of the day, we all want to mean something to someone or mm -hmm. bring meaning to someone. And I think that's incredible that you've been able to do that and will continue to do that for the rest of your career, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> that's the plan. <laughs> well, before I let you go, and I think you kind of touched on it a little bit. I mean, the advice you've given throughout this whole entire episode, I want to become a journalist by the end of this. Um, but I know that as we've touched on, it's a really hard time in the world right now. It's a really hard time for just about any industry that you can be in, but especially for people like yourself who just graduated and are maybe not as uh, fulfilled and they don't have a job. They mm -hmm. are where I was at when I had the whole metaphor of chipping away coming into my life where I graduated and had panic attacks every day and was depressed because I literally just had no light at the end of the tunnel and I didn't have any kind of drive or motivation, if you will, to kind of figure out what that is. And I think you've given a lot of really great advice to those points, but is there any little bit of advice or inspiration that you can give our listeners to today? Because um, I know a lot of people listen to Chipping Away because of this little fire of inspiration that some mm -hmm. of these episodes can bring them. So is there anything you want to share with them this motivational Monday? Yeah, I think one thing that we often forget um, and something I really had to start to apply to my life is just the simple mantra of be kind to yourself because you have to be kind to yourself. And maybe you're not going to get everything you want accomplished in one day. That's not going to happen. Maybe all you do that day is get out of bed and brush your teeth. If that's a victory for you, then, you know, you need to be kind to yourself and allow yourself that time to just relax and decompress. And not every day, especially for me, it's been difficult because every day, all I want to do is get every single thing on my list done. And that's yep. not always, 
not, I'm not always going to be able to do that. And more times than not, I'm not going to do that. So I need to realize that's okay. You're not going to get everything done. I'm not going to become a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist in one day. And no one expects me to do that. And I well, hey, the Emmys came out the other day and I was upset I was not nominated. So, (laughs) you know, we're not all making it overnight here either. (laughs) And I think one thing is just like, realizing no one expects you to do that so you can't expect yourself to do that so just really be kind to yourself because you only got yourself at the end of the day so you just kind of give yourself that time and give yourself that grace and be kind to yourself I think that's beautiful especially during this time period I think I I especially realized Mm -hmm. that my relationship with myself was so holy and not in like the graceful way. It was just like, who is that girl inside of me? Because I haven't seen her in quite some time because I was hiding behind a to-do list and constantly moving in the city. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, that girl with some issues. No, 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 we'll get to her eventually. And then, <laughs> then I sat down and texted and I was like, seven years and I haven't talked to you in a while, girl. How are you doing? How are you doing? So, yeah, I was like, oh, you're you looking rough right now. Okay, we need to, we need to work on this relationship we got here. So I think that's some really beautiful advice because sometimes the hardest thing that you can do is show yourself the forgiveness or show yourself Mm -hmm. kind of compassion. Um, And I think that that's some really poignant advice for people right now. For sure. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, I am so excited to see where your career goes and I am gonna start reading the city because I didn't know it was a thing and uh, I feel like a bad New Yorker now. Um, but incredible articles. Even if you guys aren't in New York, I'm sure there's a lot of publications that are very similar to the city where you guys live. Um, And it's all independent, nonprofit. So it's not the media that you're used to getting alerts on your phone about. Um, And I think that right now, a lot of people are trying to support movements and trying to support things that are underfunded. And um, no one thinks about the news in that regard. Um, And is there a way that we can support or fund um, things like the city? Yeah, I mean, I would just say support local journalism, period, whether that means um, (laughs) reading it daily, or if you do have the the funds and you are able to, a lot of them are subscription based and a lot of them you can don't either donate or some are now requiring subscriptions to even read. Um, and don't be annoyed by that. Yeah. Okay. There's a paywall. It's irritating, but you know, these are people who are doing some really great work and they're on the clock 24 seven journalism does not sleep. And oh yeah, so the amount of emails I've gotten from Carson going, okay, I, I got a new story. I I I promise I will do this episode, <laughs> but I have to write it. I'm like, girl, this, this is way more important than our podcast right now. Please go write about these people. <laughs> but yeah, just support local journalism in any way you can. Um, I mean, it's important wherever you live. There there are local places that you can support and you can read and you can reach out to reach out to those writers you know you could make their day like mine so um (laughs) yeah reach out to the writers and let them know that you appreciate what they're doing because a lot of times I feel like our work goes unnoticed and unacknowledged even though that we're slaving away at it 24 7 and you know sometimes it gets to be too much so that simple thank you for the work you're doing is extremely meaningful 
Well, I think it's a beautiful thing to bring a light to nonprofit organizations. And I know not very many people think nonprofit and then go, oh, yes, the news. So uh, thank you for everything that you do for the city and um, for the voices that you are shining a light on and the stories that you're telling. Uh, I know I'm definitely going to keep a closer eye on just local nonprofit news because I think that's what's really important right now knowing about what's going on around you and people like yourself who just want to get that truth and that story across. So thank you for taking the time from your hard hitting news and your constant schedule. Thank you so (laughs) much for having me. No, I really appreciate you thinking of me to be here. Uh, It was an honor. Oh, I'm glad. Well, everybody listening today, I hope that you are inspired to go write or you are inspired to go read about the stories of the people who are very lucky to have a light like what Carson shines and tells their story. If you guys know of stories that need to be told, please reach out. If you have feedback, both positive and positive, probably just positive feedback about (laughs) Carson's writing, please reach out to her, follow her on Instagram, follow her website. She's going to go places and supporting writers at the beginning of their career is literally all that you can do. Um, And I'm excited to see what you guys think of her pieces and to see what you think of this episode. And I hope that you guys have an incredible motivational Monday and we will see you guys next week. Chip it away, chip it away with me.